but yeah, we just wanted to showcase, you know, the the process of building a trail and riding it and filming it and just having a good time and a few beers along the way. Yeah, everyone at 805, especially my team manager, Nate, he rides, so he gets it. He knows what's cool. He knows what's corny. They they just listen. They're really, uh, they take it all in. You know, they want to be supportive in a core way and not in a corny way. So yeah, the, the Coast Gravity Park is probably my favorite place to ride. Hands down, best bike park ever. Great people. Everyone that works there is super cool, down to earth. They all ride. Just a cool vibe. And it's it's quality over quantity there. You know, trails are 10 out of 10, every single one of them. There's not a ton of them, but they're all epic laps. Welcome to Trail Effect. I am your host, Josh Blum. Trail Effect is a show that dives into the stories behind trails, the communities that embrace trails, and the people who rely on trails as a way of life. The goal of this show is to turn the stories you will hear from our guests into useful knowledge that can be applied to your community while providing some entertaining and inspirational content. Guests on Trail Effect include trail builders, board members, community leaders, volunteers, and regular people who really enjoy trails. For episode 139, we are here today to check out 805 Beer's latest mountain bike film, The Build, featuring their brand ambassador, Ryan Ardog Howard. Their partnership stems from common routes on the central coast of California, home to some of the best mountain biking around. We also get into our dog's backstory, how Ride or Die was formed, bike parks, and a whole lot more. Cooley Creative is the title sponsor for this episode. They design and build custom websites, as well as help companies with branding, photography, and e-commerce. Cooley Creative was started in Wisconsin, but is now based out of Bend, Oregon. Jared from Cooley Creative is a friend of mine. We've traveled together on multiple mountain bike trips, and sometimes he sends it. For more information about Cooley Creative, head on over to www.dojustsendit.com. Yes, that's right. www.dojustsendit will get you to the Cooley Creative website, so check it out. A huge thank you goes out to the multiple people who have placed orders for Cattle Mountain Apparel and Trail One components. This support definitely does not go unnoticed. I hope you are all enjoying the products that have been ordered. When you use the links found under the affiliate section at the Trail Effect website, a portion of the proceeds will help fund the Trail Effect podcast. Bonus, use the code TRAILPOD when checking out for a 20% discount on all Kettle Mountain Apparel and Trail One components. Now on to the Trail Effect with R-Dog. Here we are today on Trail Effect. I have Ryan R-Dog Howard, who we're going to refer to as R-Dog for the rest of this interview because... Typically, nobody calls him Ryan unless he's in trouble by his mother or something like that. Nailed it. <laughs> so we're here to talk trails, trail building, bikes, and the life of a professional mountain biker. Ryan is a Trek C3 project rider. He's a whip master. SRAM athlete, 805 Beer Authentico, which I think is that their term for like ambassador, I'm guessing. Yeah. And then our dog is featured in many anthill movies, along with other video clips, which is kind of what brought us together because... There is a film that just came out recently called The Build, and we're going to get out into that in a little bit. But where are you today, Ryan, since you're a self-proclaimed dirt gypsy? Um, I am currently in Canada on the Sunshine Coast. So it's like kind of a smaller little community um, just outside of Vancouver. You got to take a ferry to get here. And 
little quiet town with some really good biking. So not a lot of trouble to get into. Just focus on riding your bike. Well, let's get, let's get your backstory and kind of how you found the bike. You grew up in a pretty iconic uh, place in, in California known as Aptos, which also has, or had, I should say the post office, but let's talk about that. Yeah. So I was very fortunate to grow up in Aptos, insane riding community there, great group of friends and yeah, probably seven of us that all grew up there all ride professionally and have for the past you know, 10, 15 years. So we were always riding together at home. Then we travel together or just, yeah, it was, it was a really unique situation. And all these people would come to town in the winter and just, they would come to us and ride because it's nice and up to us year round pretty much. So we had an epic dirt jump spot and a bunch of mountain bike trails. And yeah, it was just too good to be true. Really. I look back now and it, it kind of seems like a, it was it was a mecca, but I, I we definitely miss it. It's the town has changed a lot since post office is gone. Some for the better, some for the worse. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely very lucky to grow up in that uh, biking community there. So, who are some of the riders that uh, you're speaking of here? Um, Cam McCall, Tyler McCall, Greg Watt, Jamie Goldman, yeah, Alex Ravellis. There's it was crazy for a bit. And that's the people that were just from there. That that wasn't even the people that moved there. Like there was a handful of dudes that just moved the to town just because it was legit. So that'd be like Kyle J and Andrew Taylor. And yeah, it was a wild scene for a long time. Yeah. And now we've, we've all gone our own separate ways and, you know, a few of them live in Bend, a few of them live in Virgin, but I'm still there. I'm I'm still in Aptos. That's where my family lives. That's where all that's my winter spot. It's so good in the winter. It's I don't know where else to go. So I'm still there. <laughs> so when you're there in the winter with the with the post office being gone, what's the riding scene like now? Uh it's a lot of trail riding for sure. We do a lot of digging, just kind of it we got a lot of properties in town that our buddies own that are good size so we have our own little secret trails which has been nice the last few years but yeah a lot of e-biking a lot of trail biking the dirt jump scene isn't really there anymore we don't really have we have like a mountain bike organization in town but they're pretty useless they're the mountain bikers of santa cruz they don't do anything progressive they do a lot of stuff a lot of pump tracks and sidewalks through the forest, but they never do anything progressive. So I kind of have a, a little chip on my shoulder about them, but that's a whole nother topic. And I'm sure a lot of other people would back me on that one. So yeah, it's, it's changed, but it, it's still really good. The, the trail riding is unbelievable, especially in the winter. So hard to leave. We got brought together through 805 Beer in a film you recently put together called The Build. Before we get into 805 beer, let's kind of do this backwards Tarantino style. Let's talk about the build and how that came to be and what that is. Yeah. So 805 wanted to do another video project. Um, the first one we did was more of a documentary style about the town of Aptos and my upbringing and all that. So we kind of wanted to do a more of an action piece. They gave me a little bit of a build budget. And I met this dude that lives a couple of miles down the street from me and he has a hundred acres and he already had some mountain bike trails and he's really into dirt biking. 
just solid dude. Really, really good dude. And so we started hanging out a little bit and he's like, man, like if you want to build a trail here, like let's do it. And so he got his machine in there for a couple of days and a lot of hand digging and a lot of clearing. There's a lot of poison oak, but yeah, we just spent a couple of weeks, you know, planning out a line and throwing some dirt in some spots that needed to be. And yeah, it was, I got some buddies to help me out here and there. And we just wanted to focus on something fun, nothing crazy, something that we can build and keep riding you know, not these like crazy features that it'll just be written for the video and that's it. So kind of give back to the the dude that let me build on his trail so he can ride it and our friends can come over and ride it. And it's just something that we can all session on a regular basis, which is kind of rare for video projects sometimes. But yeah, we just wanted to showcase, you know, the the process of building a trail and riding it and filming it and just having a good time and a few beers along the way. Yeah, backing up a little bit. 805 beer, you know, I did honestly didn't know a whole lot about 805 beer until this movie got on my radar. And generally speaking, it looks like a really core brand or beer that has all sorts of different athletes on its roster. Everything from moto to MMA to even a bull rider. Like talk about 805 beer a little bit. Yeah. So I got brought on 805 three years ago. They do a lot of collaboration projects with Fast House, which is the apparel brand that I ride for. So I kind of got tied in through there and they wanted to get into mountain biking. So they're like, let's do this. And yeah, everyone at 805, especially my team manager, Nate, he rides. So he gets it. He knows what's cool. He knows what's corny. They, they just listen. They're really, uh, they take it all in. You know, they want to be, supportive in a core way and not in a corny way. So, you know, they kind of pick one athlete or maybe a couple athletes in each sport and, you know, kind of just listen to what the athlete has to say and what they think is cool and they support it, which is epic. It's literally a dream sponsor because we get free beer and we get to do sick video projects and, you know, it, it's more, it, it honestly feels more like a friendship than a sponsor. Like everyone there is so cool and so down to earth and super inviting. They're always inviting you to the next film release that they have. Like I'm going to a surf one in like a month. They have moto ones all the time. They're, they're just like a really cool, you know, they want, just want to bring action sports together. And I think this is their way of doing that. Yeah. They did a really good job portraying your community in letter to Aptos. You know, and that was yeah. something I definitely watched a couple times before, you know, getting ready for this interview. Yeah. They, like I said, they just listen and they don't try and force anything. If it's cool, we'll run with it. And that's, that's the best way to go about it. You know, we're going to take things up North. Let's do it. What's the, what's the backstory? Because I've never been able to actually talk to somebody that's been part of this crew. What's the backstory with ride or die? Well, funny. We didn't think of anything that anything would ever come of this, you know, more of a tight group of friends that we would just, we just started staying it. And then we started riding it on with Sharpies on random things. And then we made some stickers and started giving them to our friends. And then we made some t-shirts and we're like, well, this is kind of taken off. Like 
this is crazy. We know nothing about running a company, but all our friends are supporting it and it's sick. It's a really cool learning experience. So the ball kept rolling a bit. We started making t-shirts and sweatshirts and an online store. And then we got enough money to make a really high grade film at the Coast Gravity Park. So that was kind of our first thing that we did with the money that we made. We've never taken a dollar from Ride or Die. It's all gone back into the company or into a video project. So it's just kind of like our little media outlet of stuff that we think is cool and our buddies, we can get our buddies together and just film them and make a little edit. And yeah, so actually that's how I broke my leg. Um, we just got done filming a movie. We, we did a full length film um, that we're going to premiere at Crankwork. So yeah, we did a big road trip around British Columbia and just with all the funds from our t-shirts and stickers, uh, we just made a full length film. So that's kind of the program that we're going to try and keep rolling on here is sell stickers and t-shirts and make videos. Well, I know the first time I saw Ride or Die as a, as a sticker or the graphic behind it, like I immediately thought of, cause I grew up in this era. I immediately thought of the original Nintendo game, Skate or Die. Yep. Totally. You know, like I had that game and it was, it was, <laughs> it was we're talking eighties right now. Yep. Yep. But it made so much sense. Cause I mean, it's just, and it, and it makes so much sense on multiple levels because you can transform ride or die into different meanings. Right. Totally. Yeah. And we, we have obviously a lot of influence from skate and moto and, so that's kind of where we got it from is, you know, skate or die, ride or die, whatever. But yeah, it, it's wild to me that like, I'll get an Instagram message of some dude that just got the logo tattooed on him. I'm like, whoa, that is crazy. Like, what did we do? Like we, we created a cult here. Like, it's not even like a brand really. It's just like a crew. It's just like our tight little crew that we like to call like the ride or die crew. And people are getting it tattooed on them. Like that is that is awesome. Like we, we love that shit. You know, it's really sick to see the support that we've gotten from the mountain bike world. And yeah, just a bunch of kids not knowing what's going on and just trying to make something out of nothing. So it's worked out for us. <laughs> well, by, by the time this podcast comes out, the movie you just spoke of will be shown to the masses at Crankworks. Talk about that film a little bit. Yeah. So we had the idea it, it's been in the works for a while, but it kind of just lined up for this summer. We just wanted to hit all our favorite spots in BC and go visit our friends and ride their local spot, just film it. So there was three riders, a few filmers, and we just, yeah, bought a shitty truck and I'm not going to give away the truck cause you got to see it in person or on video. Cause it's insane. We bought an old shitty truck and drove 2000 kilometers around BC and just filmed along the way. And it's, yeah, it was literally a dream trip. It's, it's so funny. We, we made a book, obviously a video and yeah, we're going to have a big premiere at Crankworks and sell a bunch of merch and hopefully we can do it all over again. <laughs> Is there any spots that really stick out to you from filming that? I mean, that was the thing. That's the beauty of it. We did what exactly what we wanted. We didn't have anyone telling us what to do, locations to ride, product to film. It was literally 
our call. So we pick, you know, where our friends live, where is easy access for us to either stay or, you know, even get to the trail. There's just so many good friends of ours that live around BC. So we, you know, we hit Kamloops, we hit Sun Peaks, we hit Revelstoke. Um, obviously, the Coast Gravity Park is a local spot for a lot of us. So we milked that spot pretty hard. And yeah, and then all the funny stuff along the way. It's just, it's just the, any mountain biker can relate to this video, hopefully. Just get in a car with a bunch of friends and go ride. That's literally all we wanted to do. So we just showcased that. That's awesome. We're going to stay in the, the coast, the Sunshine Coast, because the next thing that I wanted to talk about with you is trail building, but more specifically the, uh, the Coast Gravity Park and a trail named Dogger, which was in the Anhill Films Arrival, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was a coastal crew anthill collaboration video there so the coastal crew is curtis robinson and dylan dunkerton and they they literally taught me so much i can't even i can't even tell you how much that they have shown me just the ropes of mountain biking in general from building to filming to riding like they are legends absolute legends and so, yeah, they had this opportunity to build out a bike park with some local Sunshine Coast people here and insane opportunity. And they were filming a video or a movie. And yeah, they, they're like, here's this section. Like, let's build you a trail. We'll film it. And then we'll make it into a mountain bike, into a, a public trail in the park. So it's a little dumbed down from what it was, but it's, yeah, still the original layout from... I don't even remember what year that was. 2013, maybe 14. A long time ago. So yeah, the the Coast Gravity Park is probably my favorite place to ride, hands down. Best bike park ever. Great people. Everyone that works there is super cool, down to earth. They all ride. Just a cool vibe, and it's it's quality over quantity there. You know, trails are 10 out of 10. Every single one of them. There's not a ton of them, but they're all epic laps. So yeah, it's just, it's the place to be for summertime. That's for sure. You've traveled a ton, obviously for your job or career in, in mountain biking. It seems like time and time again, the things that really resonate or speak to me in terms of trail communities are the ones that are exactly like you just talked about. They're not, they may not have hundreds of miles of trail, but every single thing it's diverse and it's got a ton of high quality stuff. So you can just lap it and lap it and lap it. Yep. It's, it's built by riders for riders. You know, it's not built by random big building companies that don't know anything about mountain biking. And they're just like punching in trail. It'd be like, you know, the, the snow, the, the snow park crew building mountain bike trails, which happens sometimes. And you're like, I understand you know how to build snow stuff, but biking is way different. So yeah, these are diehard mountain bikers that are, building bike parks and that's you know that's how that's the cool literally how you make it the best bike park is have people that ride build it i'm not super familiar with it is it shuttle access is it a pedal park like what's the what's the access like for it uh so you pay and they have shuttles they, they you're not allowed to shuttle yourself but they have their three trucks with 
you know, probably 20 people per a truck. So you can, on a quiet day, you can punch out so many laps. But even when it's busy, you know, they got three trucks rolling. It's 60 people. It's a pretty quick turnaround. So they, they got a pretty dialed system. They're probably, they're 10 years in now. I think last year was their 10th year. So yeah, they, they got a good system. I, I kind of feel like they started the whole shuttle service bike park, or at least really put it on the map, you know? So you see more and more popping up, which is awesome. Pretty legendary. Yeah, it is. I mean, you were starting to see, I think the combination of shuttles, like you just described and e-bikes right, have really changed that dynamic. And you're finding bike parks in places that you would have never thought a bike park would go. Totally. Yeah. Opening a lot more, like there's the, realistically putting a chairlift there, that would be the dream, but that's so much money and logistics when you can just shuttle or maybe one day e-bike, who knows? Yeah. Even, even Medina bike park in, in uh, Tasmania is all shuttles. <laughs> yep. Totally. And there's, there's a bunch in the UK and yeah, they're popping up all over the place. So, and there's a new one that I was going to go check out on the way home, but broke my damn leg. Um, that legacy bike park in Montana is supposed to be really, really good as well. So yeah, it, it's catching on. Well, and backing up to arrival, it's probably funny to talk about this now, but the whole basis of that film was the next wave of riders. Yeah, we were, we were pretty young then. <laughs> Looking back on that and then fast forwarding to where you have been now, like, did you kind of, I mean, I'm sure it's totally unbelievable some of the things you've been able to do and places you've been able to go and even parts you've been able to film. Yeah. I mean, you know, just surrounding yourself with the right people, good people that are motivated and, you know, want to ride and do cool projects and that's kind of the, my friend group. We're all really motivated individuals and whether we're filming or just the day to day ride, you know, we're, we're going a hundred percent. We we're very passionate about the sport and our job and we love it. So it's, we're very lucky to call it our job. So, um, I feel like we all put in the work so we can keep the ball rolling. What is your opinion of the way bike parks have gone over the last 10 years, starting, you know, starting back 10 years ago or so and the progression of them, do you, have you seen them? I mean, there's probably cases like, you know, where maybe it's not as good as it used to be, or, you know, are there things going in bike parks now that you didn't ever think you'd see that now people are just sending like it's a regular to stay in the park? Yeah, it is pretty wild. Actually, some of the stuff that you see on, you know, a, a pro line, bike park trail you know it it is really cool to be able to have that progression of okay like if i was younger if i was a kid and you know i was on let's just say whistler for example because it's the most common i was on beeline but i wanted to ride a line you know there is that you know i want to get better into the next step so some bike parks are really good about building the right kind of trail to build your confidence to hit that next best trail or the next biggest trail. Yeah. So some, some bike parks are doing a really good job of, you know, making stuff progressive and big and pretty gnarly, especially for the average Joe. And it's sick. Like, man, 
I remember the first time I went to Whistler, I, I came home and I was 10 times better. You know, you just, you get so good so quick with how much trail there is and how many jumps there are. And yeah, you just learn really quick. So I, I do like to see, yeah, bike parks are killing it. Like I, I love bike parks. I am a park rat. I'll, I'll admit it. So yeah, it, it's sick. The, the, there's so many new bike parks popping up too with their own kind of taste and feel on things that kind of pushing other bike parks to do cool stuff as well, which is really cool because the ride, it also complements the riding, all the new bikes, bikes are getting better and faster and yeah, it kind of all works together, you know? Yeah. Let's go into coaching. I don't know if you coach this athlete or not. I'm assuming you may have had a little bit of interaction with him, but how about like the progression of, of like, say a, a Jackson Goldstone from his early days of, of riding for track to now winning a world cup and not even under full 100% health. Yeah. Wild. I know the, the next generations is insane. Um, but yeah, coaching. So I coach for summer gravity camps up in Whistler for the past, you know, eight, nine years. And I was even a camper at one point and I'm still friends with my coaches. So it's really cool to see these kids come to Whistler and they have their checklist. You know, they're like, I want to hit crab apple. I want to hit a line. I want to hit this, that. And it's just like, all right, like, we'll see what we can do. We can get you, we can try and get you through there without hitting the ground. And yeah, just the bikes the kids have these days and their equipment. And it's like, it's such an advantage to what we grew up with, you know? Like, we thought we had good bikes, but bikes these days and the sizing of bikes for these kids is, it's incredible. It's so cool to see these like seven-year-old kids riding A-line top to bottom. It's pretty inspiring, honestly. So the future is bright for mountain biking and We've seen it in the last handful of years with, yeah, Jackson, Goldstone, and there's some some slope style kids kind of on the come up in, in Canada here that are, you know, making a name for themselves and getting into FMB and and they were all, you know, summer gravity camp kids. So there's there's been a lot and it's cool. And I don't think it's stopping anytime soon. Yeah, it's especially with the with more parks coming online and it being easier to access for more people. Yeah, totally. It's a really good, I, I feel really good about, you know, giving back to the kids. Cause I was a coach or I was a camper at one point and Randy Spangler was my coach. And I was like that, he is the coolest dude on the planet, like best style. He like literally invented style on a mountain bike. So he was a huge inspiration of mine. And, you know, 10 years later, I'm now a coach and hopefully these kids are, you know, inspired by me and want to do gnarly cooler stuff than I'll ever be able to do, you know? So that, that's kind of the, the goal of coaching, right? Yeah. And speaking of style, there's a movie that, you know, I think everybody probably has something that really sticks out in their head in terms of like that really kind of blew them away. And I remember watching the movie Parallel that you and Brandon Semenek did. Yeah. That is an incredible short film. What's the backstory with that one? Um, so that was 100% Brandon's idea. He is a, a mastermind with the ideas and video project. And he had the idea for a long time, but it just never really came together. The timing or the location. 
and then yeah what that was 2018 maybe 2019 he lives in aptos for the winters and so we found the right location we got the build crew together and yeah we kind of just started digging with you know five of us and with the filmers and the photographers and all the writers and the everyone it was kind of just like a collaboration of like okay this line's gonna work good here we'll cross over here and we just had to get it all approved by brandon make sure it was working in his head and yeah that's probably the highlight of my career that video because yeah it was, it was an insane experience it was so much work we had terrible weather on the build and we had to split up crews so we could get both locations running and yeah it was obviously all worth it in the end but we had to take a 10-day break because the weather was so bad it probably took us three weeks to film that video just a lot of logistics and timing and yeah i'm honored to be a part of it obviously but it was a lot of work <laughs> how many runs did you and brandon take on that before filming so that was right when we got e-bikes actually those right when e-bikes got like a little bit legit um we had trek power flies that was like their first like proper mount like 150 mil mountain bike e-bike and so we're like dude we should just test everything on the e-bikes and just lap it and pack it in and get the timing dialed so that was our kind of our tool for dialing in timing and you know easier to get back to the top and yeah so we literally rode that every section of trail on an e-bike like 10 times before we'd film it and then we'd get on our regular bikes and get the shot and do it all over again did it take a little bit to adapt from the weight of the e-bike to the regular bike or was it, or were you pretty intuitive to being able to transition from one to the other? Cause that, like you said, that was pretty early on the e-bike thing. Yeah. Um, so just riding, you know, we weren't filming, so it didn't have to look pretty. A little bit of a, a weight, you know, issue there, like speed wise, like coming into um, some jumps of speed with e-bike compared to the regular bike. But overall you got the right idea. And just didn't have to really make it look good on the e-bike. Just had to make it look good on the real bike. So it was more of like a timing and packing in the trail thing, the e-bike. But yeah, cool, cool little tool. And it really opened my eyes to how dope e-bikes are these days. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, we've seen them come along with just in, you know, the last three or four years to see where they're going to be in the next three to four to 10 years, you know? Totally. Yeah, it's it's just another tool. I, I don't like to call myself a full e-biker, but I'm a mountain biker and we have so many different genres of mountain biking that I just want to do all of them. You know, downhill bike, slope bike, trail bike, e-bike. There's just, there's so many good types of riding. I just want to do them all. So e-bike is just part of the quiver now and I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. That's for sure. That is the perfect transition into the Trek C3 project. Yeah, totally. Um, and uh, we, we probably all feel that way. You know, we all just want to be very well-rounded riders. What is the Trek C3 project for those that might not be familiar? 
Um, so it was kind of Andrew Shandro's brain. It was his idea in the beginning. And the three C's, D3, the C's would be like competition, creativity, and cinematics. So all parts of this team that he wanted to build, we wanted to hit all those points, right? So it started with Cam McCall, and then they brought Brandon on. And then a few years later, they brought me on. And then, you know, Brett Reeder, Casey Brown, Tom Van Steenbergen, uh, Emil Johansson. Like a, a few of them have left now, but, you know, we still have a pretty solid crew on the C3 project. But um, yeah, it's just kind of Trek, free ride, slope style lifestyle team you know we don't really have a name we're not like a race team we're not uh, a slope style team we're kind of just we check all the boxes you know for sure and from what i you know doing a little bit of research on you you pretty much have the full quiver of bikes with the exception of cross-country bikes and maybe you have those two and you're just not putting them on instagram (laughs) no i i don't have any cross-country bikes yeah track has been very very generous over the last 13 years and even with all the custom painted bikes and you know we get to come up with these wild ideas and they put them on a computer and we give them a thumbs up and they paint it and it's it's unbelievable some of the the projects that we've done with them and yeah from e-bikes to downhill bikes to slope bikes we've had custom painted bikes across the board so and Fun fact, I've never sold a custom painted bike. I I have all of my bikes from the last 13 years from Trek. That's got to be a lot of bikes because from what I've seen, you have a lot of custom bikes from the Bigfoot monster truck to the UPS bike. My personal favorite was the Back to the Future themed Slash. Yep. Yeah, I I got them all. Some of them are just frames. If they were a really important bike. Like I did rampage or, um, a video project that I was really stoked on. I tried to keep it complete, but yeah, there's lots of bikes floating around in my garage and at my mom's house. And if they're still rideable, I'll let a friend ride it for a bit. But the only rule is you got to give it back and you can't get it stolen. So yeah, I got a lot of bikes still. (laughs) I'm going to want that stuff when I'm like 60, you know, Yeah. have a nice garage full of my memorabilia. Yeah. What are your thoughts on how bikes have progressed? Cause that's another thing like the, the last 10 years, I mean, I've been, I've been into mountain biking since, I don't know, 90, 91. So I saw the first rock shocks ever come out, you know, but it seems like to me, there hasn't been a time, especially the last three to five years where bikes just like they are companies, I should say, started getting stuff just really dialed. Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy. Even the whole wheel size thing, a lot of factors on that. Cause we were 26 inch for life you know we thought that was the answer and then 27.5 came out and we're like uh, i don't know like we'll try it and then 29 came out and i was like no way i'm never riding a 29er but yeah just all the geometry and the angles and what you can do with bikes these days and the whole mullet thing it's uh it's a pretty special time to be in the bike world and I feel like I can appreciate it now because 
the bikes that we rode when we were kids were literally cross country bikes converted into dirt jump bikes. Like I had some sketchy bikes back in the day with like little quick release forks and hitting dirt jumps. I was like, there's no way you could pay me to hit a dirt jump with a quick release fork, you know? But nowadays everything is so dialed and so progressive and everything is, it's all working together. Yeah. It's really cool to see and test these kind of things with, you know, track and rock shocks and kind of give them some feedback is pretty cool to be a part of that kind of stuff. I enjoy, you know, putting my knowledge into some, some production style things, which is something I'd like to get more involved in, in the future. Yeah. Even these race bikes are out of control, you know, like the, the high, whole high pivot phase right now. Um, it's pretty crazy what that can do to a bike It just speed and traction. And yeah, I mean, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but you know, some people love it. Some people don't. It's yeah. There, there's something for everyone out there. That's for sure. Do you mind if we talk about high pivots for a minute? Do you know much? Yeah, Have yeah, you ridden much? Yeah. Uh, I've ridden the downhill bike, uh, the session, the high pivot session. Like I said, it's just a different riding style. It's a different tool in the, the quiver. I mean, I, I'm lucky enough to have a, a normal downhill bike and then a high pivot downhill bike. But if you're really into racing and, you know, going fast and staying low on jumps and maybe riding more chundery, gnarly, steeper stuff, then high pivots your answer, you know? But if you like to go side to side and, you know, pop some jumps and, you know, inside some turns and just, you know, kind of ride a little bit more free ridey, then, you know, your normal downhill bike, maybe 29 mullet style, full 27.5, maybe that's your answer. Um, but yeah, the, the high pivot thing, I don't know if it's just going to be a phase or we're going to see it across the board. I don't know. I, it's not, I don't love the high pivot. I like it. But I, I'm not going to exit out. I, I enjoy riding my high pivot, but it's not going to be the bike I grab every time I go to the bike park. I'm curious because my current, well, I got two current daily drivers. One's uh, one's the new Top Fuel, which is my what I call yep. my fitness bike, and yep. then the other one is the current generation of the Slash. Right. And not too long ago, it was leaked on Pink Bike that there's a high pivot Slash in the works which happened to be photographed in Copper Harbor, Michigan. <laughs> oh, no way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I probably shouldn't talk anything yeah, you probably, about I mean, it. You, you can't, you don't have to talk about that, but I mean, it's just, it's one of those things. It's like, I'm, I personally have mixed feelings on like, do I keep my current generation slash or do I move to a high pivot? Because it's like, sometimes you do want to have more fun like you're talking about, but I do every now and then enter enduro races. Yeah, it's all your taste on riding. You know, it's what you're, what you're riding, what terrain you're riding. You know, I I like my I love my slash. That's the probably the bike I grab the most, especially at home in Santa Cruz. It's you know it's it's light enough to get up the hill, and it's big and burly enough to ride some gnarly stuff on the way down. Like. Um, if I was to have one bike, it would probably be a slash. So, and then I just got a new fuel EX, and 
that that's kind of my fitness bike. You know, if I'm going for just a pedal, like if I'm trying to have a big day, that's, that's going to be my bike. Or if it's more like dirt jumpy, like flow trail, smooth flow trail, the fuel, fuel EX is going to be my bike. Yeah. We'll, we'll see about the whole high pivot thing. I don't know if it's going to be a production thing or what, but yeah, kind of just up in the air really. But if, if they do come out with it, I'll probably ride it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. You say like, out like where I live at home, I live in, well, those who listen to the show, no, I live in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And my daily driver mostly is the top fuel because of where I live. Cause we don't have right. really anything that's, but I'll, st- but I'll still take like this afternoon when I go ride, I'm going to grab the slash and go ride because I'm only going to be doing like parked type of free ridey trails. Right. Right. And it's just, when I travel, I bring the top fuel along just in case I want to get on it. And both bikes are built identical to the point where like, if I have issues with one of them, I can swap parts, you know what I mean? And so, but it's like, whenever I travel, I think I've pulled the top fuel out once and the slash is always getting ridden the whole time. Yep. Totally. It's a very, it's kind of the one, one all bike you can do everything on that bike you can ride a bike park you can go on a trail ride you can ride like a local bike park dirt jumpy stuff if you had to it's it's a great one to have in the in the lineup yeah and i was actually going to ask you what your what bike you'd be grabbing as your daily driver but you've already answered that yeah that one and then uh if we're e-biking probably that that exe that, that bike is super cool perfect amount of power nice and quiet and then it doesn't feel like an e-bike on the way down. It's it's crazy. It's I just got my fiance one actually. She's that's the only bike she'll ride now. Yeah, that's that's the bike. And then bikes built with around that motor platform are the, are, are what really like made my brain go. What are these things going to look like in five or ten years? I know, right? Even like the full powered ones when they are that weight full power and more range on a battery it's gonna it's game over like biking is gonna be the best thing ever it already is the best thing ever but five years from now when i'm old and crippled we're gonna be laughing because we got sick e-bikes bike parks (laughs) everywhere exactly i love it so one of the questions that i ask everybody and this is going to be a little bit different for you in fact it's going to be kind of backwards for you because you're a uh, dirt gypsy Typically, I ask people if you had to move to a community from wherever you are or look for a community to, to move to, where would you move? But in your case, I'm going to say, say you had to settle down in a community and I'm going to pull Aptos out of there. I always pull wherever people can consider home out of the equation. Yep. What are the things that you look for in a community that would make you consider making that your home, home base? Um, a nice variety of riding is, is key, you know? You can ride your downhill bike and trail bike and have a dirt jump spot all in one location. That that's the goal. And if I had to move somewhere for that ideal scenario, I'd I'd probably say Queenstown, New Zealand. And the riding community there, like random dude, never heard of him before. Absolute shredder. Like would just shred your face off. Just any day of the week the the talent in queenstown is out of control there's so many good riders there 
So that that's really cool. And they have epic trail rides. They have a world-class bike park and they have a world-class dirt jump park. So kind of the, the dream spot, honestly. Um, I spent a, a handful of winters there, our winter there, summer. But um, yeah, I think that's my end all spot. That's the, that's the one. Yeah. It's like the, the surfer's dream of the endless summer is the same for the mountain biker, right? Yep. You, you know, you go to New Zealand in their summer you, and you go to Canada and, you know, Canadian summer. You know who really speared this whole lifestyle was Kelly McGarry. Because he was from um, New Zealand and he kind of put Queenstown on the map a little bit. And then he'd come to Whistler all summer. And so he was just living that endless mountain bike summer. So it's a good role model. He did us right. Speaking of Canada, you just spurred my brain on something that I didn't have written down, but I was meaning to ask you. And I've asked this to other people too. What are your thoughts on Quebec? Because it's the other side of Canada. I've heard it's as good as Whistler or that region, but just different. So I've only been once to film the Return to Earth Leaf segment with uh, Vanderham, with Thomas Vanderham. And it was like in the fall, really cold, and it was all based around the leaves falling, right? Um, So I didn't get a huge tour of, you know, the East Coast of Canada. We really just stuck to one spot and kind of pick and chose the the good trails for filming. But I remember it being really rocky and cold. So I don't have the best perspective there, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, that's fair. That's totally fair. Yeah. But what we did ride was dope. And we made a pretty cool little segment out of it. So we'll take it. Yeah, fall riding is pretty awesome. I mean, it just it's similar where I live in terms of the leaves turning and stuff like that. And that's just an awesome time of the year to ride. It's the best. It's, I think any mountain biker would agree with us. So... Well, before we wrap this thing one up, this one up, do you have any anything that you didn't talk about that you want to talk about? Anything you want to leave the listeners with in terms of like messages? Was there something I missed that we should discuss more? I think we nailed it. We we talked, you know, the past, the future, and all the exciting bike stuff in between. So yeah, I think we nailed it. I just you know, keep mountain biking fun. Don't take it too serious because it's not that serious of a sport. <laughs> It is. It it isn't, and it it isn't serious. But I, you know, it's been coming more obvious to me and and other people, and actually been coming my, to my attention a ton more through the podcast. That it actually is a serious sport in terms of like the way people use it, right? Yeah, but it's just not biking, man. We're all out there trying to do the same thing, ride as much as we can with our friends. You know, it's we can't take it too serious because that's when it, the fun is ripped out of it. So for sure. 100%. That's just, that's just my perspective. That's how I look at mountain biking. So the, the little message I could give to someone else is just have fun with it because it's a good ass sport. Yeah. <laughs> well, Ryan, I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day and being able to come on the trail effect podcast. This has been awesome to get your perspective. Typically we have trail builders and advocates and, and the stuff and like the behind the scenes of the actual trail building side of things. And it's, it's, not too often that I get the, the true full-fledged athlete on here, but it's something I want to do more of. And so I really appreciate your perspective on, on all of this. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, we've been doing it for a long time and 
any piece of knowledge we can share is it's fun and you know we love it so it's uh that ride or die lifestyle you got to keep it up (laughs) for sure thank you for listening if you like what you've heard please take the time to share these shows with others sharing these shows will help create awareness of both the guests who have taken the time to be on the show and the podcast series itself also if you're new to the trail effect podcast check out our ever-expanding library of episodes if you listen to the trail effect podcast on apple or spotify please don't forget to leave a rating and review as this is one of the best ways to show your support for the trail effect podcast also, don't forget to check out Cooley Creative at www.dojustsendit.com. For additional ways to help support the Trail Effect podcast, check out the affiliate links tab at the Trail Effect website, where you'll find links to Kettle Mountain Apparel, Worldwide Cyclery, and Trail One Components. By using the affiliate links found at www.traileffectpodcast.com, a small commission will come back to the podcast, which will help keep this thing going. This podcast has been edited and produced by Evolution Trail Services. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>